0: Hey there, Freaks Geeks and everyone in between. Welcome to another episode of Wake and Jake. I am here today with my buddy Womb Raider. How are you doing, man? Kids,
1: What was that? Hey, what's up, kids? I'm doing yeah. well though. How are you?
0: Oh, I'm doing good. Um what what you up to today, man? Any any mushies?
1: Uh I actually, yeah, I worked about eight hours and then I uh, went for a hike, and then I actually scrambled a little bit, getting out of the shower, ate some, my normal dose, and I haven't eaten dinner, so I'm on the East Coast, so it's kind of late, so it hit me kind of quick, so.
0: no, oh, yeah, it's always fun. I, I dropped a little bit before, <laughs> before hopping on the camera, so, and yeah, no, I'm I'm waiting for that ride to start seeping in, so what, what, was, what oh, would you consider a normal dose for you? Uh,
1: about two grams. But it's you got to be careful too well so we're both
2: talking uh in school here we're uh can you hear me yeah i got you um uh, we're both talking about mushrooms in particular i believe
1: so a normal dose to me is about two grams, but it depends on my dosing. And I'm sure we'll get into that.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. So what do you normally use? Because I use caps and stems, but I know yep. that's not the preference for a lot of other people. See, I, I like
1: caps and stems personally, like just loose in a bag, like, and that that. I've done it for long enough. Um, I've done both routes a very good friend of mine sells them uh, caps and stems ground up in capsules and some are quote-unquote mood enhancing and some of them (laughs) are uh, straight shoulder psychedelics um, and they're all 0.3 grams and it's very easy to control that way so a lot of times I'll take like 0.6 in the morning I'll let my dog out have a cigarette, eat my two little capsules and wander my way into work and that's that's an everyday thing so like today's an uh a go day, so I have every other day I'll have like a what I call a normal dose I'll have about two grams after work after i don't after all my responsibilities are done mm
2: mm-hmm.
1: and a lot of times, I'm. I, they keep me up, but like in a good way.
0: Oh yeah, in a productive
2: sure. way.
1: Like last night, I was banging on my guitar for probably three or four hours, and it wasn't even an on day where I dosed. It was just I felt good.
0: Yeah, no, that's one thing I've really noticed with them is even if you aren't dosed that day. The after effects still kind of roll with you, and it for really weeks. does en- enhance your mood like mm-hmm. better than any other antidepressant. Because I, for one, like to mix 20 milligrams of THC chocolate with about half a oh. gram of mushrooms.
1: I have caramels, but same dose.
0: Yeah, no, I call it oh. hippie Zoloft. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but you don't, all those SSRIs and garbage and. <clears throat> you don't feel anything and that's wrong you're supposed to feel emotions oh yeah it's okay to be sad it's okay to be angry it's okay to be happy it's not okay to not feel anything
0: and i think that's the problem a lot of people have when they describe like so-called bad trips as they were fighting their emotions and trying to keep that under control but you can't and it overwhelms you to a point where you just fucking break right
1: Right. Well, that was the hardest thing they've ever done. And they've never actually sat and been sad or like sat with their emotions. And uh, that's pretty much to me what meditation is. It's just sitting and feeling what you're feeling. But by the time you're done, you should understand what you're feeling and why you're feeling that way. And you need to not get up until you can have control over your emotions not letting your emotions have control over you otherwise you're not done does that make sense
0: yeah no kind of like a, what you're describing is like an ego death the way i see it where you have right. to get to the point where you have to leave this experience with some kind of knowledge you didn't have going into it whether it be about right. the universe yourself or even the world around you like your family like how do you appreciate them or how you underappreciate them. That's a big factor that a lot of people can't come to terms with.
1: They refuse to and they run and hide from
0: it. Yeah, no, the first, I would call it my first and only bad trip with mushrooms. I ate about 10 grams and sat there and tried to fight it for three fucking hours until I finally took acid and let, let it fi- let it finally consume me.
1: I, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't say I've had a bad trip on mushrooms, but I had a really wild one and I had a really hard time with it for a while. Um, but still to me, it was like eye opening. It's like, to me to think about it, it was fun. Like It was a terrible idea at the time, but I was young and stupid. and It made a lot of sense.
0: At the how, time. Much, how many grams did you do, if you remember?
1: So, uh, we had already eaten like an eight, all of us. There was a bunch of my friends. I had actually came home on leave, um, between going to AIT in the army and being stationed at Fort Drum, but I live an hour and a half from Fort Drum, so I was just chilling with my homies from high school. And, um, we all had like three and a half grams, and then We had this big bag of shake. Me and my buddy, we're going to call him F. Um, We had this bag and we had been eating, they had been eating it most of the summer and about 17 grams worth of shake of it in the bottom of it. So we made tea and we were supposed to split it. Well, F went and did a bunch of fucking ecstasy and forgot about it, didn't want to do the mushrooms. And I drank my cup of tea and I was like,
2: I don't drink it too. Oh, Um, fuck. And I remember planet Earth was out then. And David
1: Attenborough was talking about these uh, Saharan elephants that walked for miles and miles and miles every day and they needed 400 pounds of Food to eat and fifty-eight gallons of water, and they just keep panning out. And there's like eight elephants, and just sand dunes, and sand dunes, and sand dunes, and sand dunes. Not crying at the TV, like where are they going to eat? Where are they going to drink? There's no place for them to go. It's all fucking sands. And I remember like leaning into the couch, like I'll just, I can't watch this. And the there it was like a floral pattern couch. I was like, I can't look at that either. So I shut my eyes and the pattern just got worse. <laughs>
2: oh shit. It was
1: it was like that for I don't know, seven, eight hours. But I was with my friends and they were all on ecstasy. And I was like, All right, we'll just go party and hung outside and stared at the fire and huddled in the ball for a while and sat with myself and yeah, I'm was, not ever going to take that many again.
0: Yeah, no, that's always a, a big eye-opening experience. kind of like going into a K-hole when you just fall into it. Yeah,
1: yeah, you're like, oh, this is not who I am. But I'm but, here for a while. It's it's you like, can't this is, fucking do shit about it. And you're, like, you, like, look at it. the guy
0: you're you're in, kind of, where you're, like, you're out of your right. body, but you're in your body, but you're looking at the guy mm-hmm. that you are. And you're just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you like this?
1: Right. What are you doing right now? Me? And I had problems with it because I was in the army and I was going to Fort Drum to go be in Tenth Mountain, which I chose because I'm an idiot. And like, I'm where I was a year ago, hanging out with these losers, fucked up on drugs. Like not not being who I'm supposed to be, mm. which is a total one eighty. It's Especially not one eighty. Like really right after
0: basic.
2: Yeah, it was basic AIT. Like I had spent like three months, no more than that. Four months, five months. May no, yeah, it was like fucking May to August.
1: I think might have been April. I don't. Well, fucking so you're know. like eighteen years ago. old. I was 19. Okay. I went to college for a semester and then I worked for another year. And then I was like, fuck, there's some, I can't, I hated college. I paid eight grand out of my own pocket for them not to teach me anything. And I went to be a diesel tech, but I grew up around, like they weren't teaching me anything. I grew up around it. Um. so I was mad about that, and I went and worked and was a diesel tech for a while. And it was over the summer; it was fucking hot. And I worked at a propane company, and I couldn't smoke cigarettes anywhere near the fucking building. And I got mad. And I was like, "Fuck this! I'm gonna join the army." Like, I'd, and I had like, I I actually remember the night thinking about it. I was in the fire department for like two years already, and I remember like feeling like a fucking loser, laying in my bed one night, like. I'm not making very good money. Like I'm like I could afford to like not live with my parents but be broke and like buy enough like drugs and alcohol to get by and like party and like I spent a lot of free time with the fire department and I was like, man, I know of like a few guys like I went to high school with and you're over there fucking fighting for shit and I'm depressed in my fucking bed. So partying, like
0: what year was this, would this have been?
1: 2006.
0: All right, all right.
1: I graduated in 05. So, so oh. I joined the Army. And that mushroom trip was the second summer out of high school. At the end of the summer... It would have been the end of August because I got to Fort Drum at the end of August, and I was boots on the ground in Kuwait two weeks later.
0: God damn, it's a hell of a level. fucking turnaround.
1: Oh, oh yeah, that was like the big surge, like what Dan Holloway was part of, like, like big bonus money, like you just get in and go.
0: Yeah, no, I, I could imagine that. I never did any time in the military because of my childhood issues that i i kind of mm-hmm. talked to you about earlier do did, did you want to start yep. getting into that kind of stuff of what led go us down the path of psychedelics go for it you're my guest man you go first
2: all right so i deployed two weeks after that mushroom trip
0: <laughs>
2: literally <laughs> hell,
0: of a, hell, hell of a time to be deployed when you're still feeling right. the effects of a mushroom trip. Right.
1: And it was and they lasted quite a while. Um and it wasn't crazy. I mean it was kind of crazy when we got there. We were uh outside of Kirkcook and we went to this smaller base called Fod McHenry and then we had a bunch of patrol bases around it, and I was an 88 Mike, so I was a truck driver. Okay. Which I always wanted to drive trucks, you gotta be 21 in the States to do it. Unless you want a farm CDO it's just fucking ag licenses or garbage, like, you can't do anything. But I just want to drive tractor trailers. I'm a giant child, okay? <laughs> so I could do that in the Army. Still feel like I was doing something. I wanted to go to Fort Drum because it was close to home. I didn't realize how fucking tough they are on people.
2: I went, did my job, did uh, four months, took leave, came home for
1: 18 days. And on that 18 days of leave, I was hanging out with those same people.
2: Nice. Um,
1: I slept twice. I spent $8,000. I bought a $1,200 $1,200 laptop, and the rest of it I put up my nose with my friends, knowing that the flight was long enough to get back. I didn't smoke weed or anything, but I could do coke and I had money for it. And I don't know if I was coming back because IEDs were a huge threat at the time. We didn't have the armor and the heavy trucks like we should have. So I don't know if I was going to make it back. Yeah. So I just put it all up my nose and I had all the fucking time. not going to lie. It was
0: awesome. I mean, yeah, no fucking shame. Uh, We've we've all been there. We've all done nose beers. We've all partied. We're all good people.
1: Right. So I get into Kuwait and I meet up with a buddy of mine from Charlie Company. And he tells me this dude from Bravo Company, George Howell, had driven over an IED and it killed him on December 18th while I was on leave on December 18th I actually got back to my fob at like one in the morning Christmas night so like technically your 26th like my Christmas that year was spent traveling back to Iraq uh, but it was my mom's birthday that 18th so I made sure I was home for that yeah and I felt super guilty about what I was doing already on my mom's birthday because I was not with her I was out doing blow with my friends and then I get back and realize like this dude was fucking over here doing his shit got fucking killed there's a long
2: story about like he could have survived but the way they, they the way they moved the medevac bird it's
1: fucked up the reason he was killed is fucked up Captain Rose killed him basically
2: Anyway, so I struggled with that for a long time. I came home October 25th
1: of 2008. So from December 26th of 2007 to October 25th of 2008, I was there straight.
0: God damn. And that was like so I did. back in. That was, it was really bad out there, huh?
1: That was the most kinetic part of the war. Like we lost three other guys, but like we also like had a weird relationship. But it was uh, we called it "sour" at the time, the sons of Iraq, where we just paid them not to shoot at us. So we go around take fingerprints, ID, uh, iris scans, hire them. In this certain area, if you guys don't shoot at us or blow us up, you get this much money a month. The shake of that area would take most of that money and then dole it out to the rest of the guys. You got to understand it's a war zone. There's no fucking jobs. These people are like me. They got six, eight kids. They're trying to feed them. Like they're going to do what they got to do, right?
0: Yeah. A humans been backed into a corner will do whatever it takes.
1: Right. So you struggle with that end of it too. And I come back, and I legit was homesick being in New York, thinking I should be in Iraq because I was where the fight was. Like, and I was angry. Like, this is not we're, This is not how we won World War Two.
0: Yeah, I've heard a lot of similar like experiences with Iraq and Afghanistan veterans where that becomes their mm-hmm. home, and being stateside doesn't feel normal or like real life anymore. It's boring. It is.
1: It's boring. It's like being straight and then being put on SSRIs and you don't laugh and you don't cry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah, no, it makes sense. All
1: your emotions go away. So, I get back uh, less than a month later. I get a DUI. I was 20, I turned 21 in Iraq. So I kind of tried to make up for it when I got back. <clears> does a 21 year old do? Yeah, I'm 34 now. So, hey, you're still and here. that was a minute ago. So I'm obviously fucked up. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to deal with all this shit. Like, I'm angry. Angry at a lot of fucking things. And we all knew then, like, the war bullshit. Like, we knew.
0: That, that's, that's kind of something I wanted it. to touch on you with. Like, did you guys know it was about oil back then?
1: Yeah. Money. And oil is money. And I believe the US dollar is backed by oil.
2: That's
0: but the back, only
1: way it makes sense.
0: Yeah, but back to the story. Sorry for throwing you off track on that one.
1: No no no, no, that's it that's part of it though like we if you, there are some dumbass motherfuckers there's some smart motherfuckers too, like you'd be really surprised like
0: some of the most intelligent people I've ever met were infantry dudes like fucking Dan holloway oh, yeah, no, I've gotten to meet that gentleman in person, and he is probably the closest thing, if not the only genius I have ever met,
1: Mhm. And it's fucking not what you would think as an outsider. Even as an insider, if you don't know it, some grunts. Because in their cult grunts, some of them are fucking stupid and you need those
2: guys too.
0: Yeah, no. But for anyway, Dan Holloway, you need a Jared Taylor. So.
1: And <laughs> one Ross Patterson sprinkled over every 10,000 people. <laughs> He's loud enough for all of them. Yeah, but so, sorry for
0: throwing you off track, dude. <laughs>
1: No, You good. So it's just fucking angry. And I didn't know my I'm fucking a kid. And I like go through a part of your life where you like it's hard to explain, but your identity becomes like your career at that point. And it's hard to that. separate it. That was in being in the military isn't like a maybe if you're an officer, but it's a fucking lifestyle. Like, that's your life.
0: Yeah. Period. A lot of people, who, like, people like civilians like myself don't understand that you guys don't interact with the outside world, really. It's all inside the no. 24-7, 365 days a year. And even if you leave
1: base, most of your friends aren't civilians. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah,
0: even... of course. Why, why would you hang <laughs> I mean, out with people in a... That you you're not from, that you're only going to be, be around for maybe two to three years,
1: right? Uh, don't let me forget. Uh, I'll tell you about Sheppy, and I seen him last weekend. All right, the preacher's
0: I'm... daughter. Oh, the preacher's daughter.
1: Make it come full circle. <laughs> so I'm angry. I get a DUI. I'm on 45 and 45, so I can't leave base. Like, I'm 45 days extra duty, 45 days restriction. So a month and a half. Oh, and half months pay for six weeks.
0: So what does all so, that mean uh, for, my, for the civilian listeners of mine? What's that? What does all that mean for my civilian listeners? All right. So I can't believe my fucking...
2: So,
1: forty-five days extra duty is after work. Your regular nine-to-five job in the military. You're gonna work probably another six hours mopping barracks and sweeping parking lots and mopping parking lots in the rain, like whatever.
0: Sweeping the sand off field. the fucking field beach,
1: right? Uh, they take half your pay. Okay. And you can't leave base for the 45 days at all, period. If you can leave base, really what they do is they catch you when you come back on.
0: Huh? Okay.
1: So I had that and I also like to smoke weed my buddies weren't far away and I was like, fuck this. We're going to smoke some dope. So I did. And they drug tested me and I was pissed off And I was already in a fucking because I got a DWI, they're like, well you what the fuck's this called? ASAP, maybe? Alcohol and Substance Abuse Program?
0: Uh, I've heard about this. But you,
1: I'm fucking twenty one years old. I of course I binge drink. <laughs> <laughs> In That's the military, awesome. and then I get up, and I run eight miles the next day, and I'm fine by 9.30. <laughs> I feel fucking great. We're There's a great meme, and it says we're the most physically fit alcoholics ever.
0: I've I've seen so many memes that say the military is the most highly functioning group of alcoholics to have ever existed.
2: It's just... We were good at it. Can you hear me still?
0: Yeah, no, I can still hear you. Great, man.
2: All right. My... Uh stupid ass let my airpods die so <clears throat> they, i'm still on 45 and 45 i still can't leave base so not giving me any money i was doing good and i had a bad day and i
1: smoked weed again and my THC levels went higher and they're like you're the fuck out like and they gave me a general under honorable for medical like they put it like
2: I get 40% disability for PTSD like
0: at least they I was they one of care.
2: the earlier
1: people to get it and they're like no this guy that for whatever reason it just fucked
2: this guy up and I was angry for a long long time um long time and probably two years ago three years ago i
1: started getting back into mushrooms i just ran into a buddy and like oh he's like oh yeah the fungus is among us i'm like oh
2: (laughs) and like, i love when mushrooms i always treated it as like a party thing yeah
1: but it there's a lot of science about, like, the neurogenesis and how you can retrain your brain to open up new pathways so you're not in this depressed state anymore where you're stuck on the same fucking railroad track. Psilocybin gives you this doorway, and sometimes it pushes you through it, and sometimes it just shows you.
0: It's, like, open this, opens the door and it's, like, look at this world that you can experience.
1: Right. Right. There's more to life. Like, and sometimes it's just like the, if a microdose. Like, I'll just walk outside and be like, man, the fucking leaves on that tree are pretty. <laughs> and most of the day, I'm fucking like Dan Holloway. Like, I come off that way, but it's just how we relate to each other. You know, it's that lifestyle. But in my head, I'm like, fuck leaves on that tree are so fucking green and (laughs) the sun's shining through them so pretty like and you appreciate little things whereas before you'd be like man I gotta pay the fucking phone bill and I gotta work this many hours to do this and like my life fucking sucks and like whatever fucking railroad track you're fucking stuck on really helpful just to open the door now if
2: you have some intent to beat depression while using psilocybin and you set some intent before
1: you even start you make sure the setting's good you know it's going to fucking suck to go sit in those fucking feelings but you need to go fucking deal with them so they don't bother you every fucking day Mm
2: -hmm.
1: that's where I think psychedelics really play a big role that and uh psilocybin and mdma in particular mdma uh mostly for talking with somebody else and psilocybin just to like i would recommend you do a pretty good dose. like be prepared but do a pretty good dose of psilocybin and just go fucking sit down with a notebook and then just wait a couple of months and then go fucking find your best friend. Somebody who's like a real soft place to land. So it could be a fucking stranger if you have nobody, but somebody you can talk to that's not going to judge you. Take about 0.2 grams of molly and bring your notebook with you and just start talking. That's fucking therapy. Because all that poison that's in your mind just needs to get let out. And if you can do that... You can go live your life
2: again.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree with that because, um, <clears throat> into into my story about this. Um, did you have any more on yours? No. Yeah. I no. Don't. All right, so I'll, I'll I'll go into mine. So, um I got a pretty I, much you might cut out. You're on my speaker
1: upstairs, so I gotta go grab you because I can't hear you.
0: No, you're good, man. But um. Yeah, no, I had a pretty tumultuous childhood. Um, a lot of trauma that I didn't understand was trauma at the time. Didn't even understand it till I started going to therapy as an adult. That it was that it was such a significant part of my life that I had no idea it was even there. And for me, there was a big catalyst that really blew up on my depression as a young adult. Um, when I was eleven years old, the US Marshals raided my house on a false tip. And I was dragged out of the bathroom at gunpoint by three marshals because I had no idea what was going on. And I was in the bathroom playing a video game, you like taking a shit. Right. And, um, again, yeah, no, so that happened and I was pulled out at gunpoint and saw my parents crying on the fucking patio, front patio and shit. And it, it traumatized the fuck out of me. And it yeah. And from there, it just kind of led on to a path of depression and self-medication through a bunch of substance abuse that I've talked about on previous shows that was just out of hand at a very young age. Started doing coke at fucking 13, started doing heroin at 14, and from then on it was Xanax, fucking oxies, shit like that, up until about 18. And then I really started smoking weed a lot more. Because I had smoked it the whole time, but it wasn't really my thing. I preferred the higher high. Dude, dude I can't
1: tell you how proud I am of you. Because if, I'm really glad I skipped that. I, I kind of just missed that. Because I had some friends get into it. And I don't think I would have made it out the
0: other side. Yeah, no, I've had plenty of friends that never made it out onto the other side that are forever young and beautiful because of it. And honestly, when I started smoking weed, I had been exploring a little bit with psychedelics, like towards the end of using Xanax is when I weed myself off of everything with. And from there, I I started playing with mushrooms and then I got with my ex and she started blaming my sobriety on her when I was like, Oh no, it's, it's mushrooms. And from there, she was a traditional native girl. So um, her family was heavily involved with peyote and other stuff like that. And I got the opportunity to go into a traditional ceremony and Hey man, I can't hear you. You sound all far away.
1: That's
0: awesome. Okay. Is that better? Yeah, no, yeah, that's that's perfect. And the one story for me that I really love to share is I went out to go take a piss. And as I was walking back into the teepee, I just stared up at the sky. And I felt like I was sucked in by whatever was up there and like shown everything that was going to happen in my life. And a path... That I needed to be on to get alt to all that, and from there, that's when I was like, "I need, I need to see more," and that's when I started getting into like DMT and ketamine and other stuff like that, which is fucking awesome. Um, it's
1: exceedingly sparingly, but I really like DMT and
0: ayahuasca. I have yet to try ayahuasca.
1: Take your time. You're
0: young now <laughs> <laughs> It is a badass echo one a bad years ago. Yeah, it probably this. Is that better? Yeah, no, it's all good, dude. Yeah, drink. no. So well, how how's Aya? Because I've heard Mama Aya is something that you should like is not to be fucked with.
1: I live is <clears throat> 20 minutes from the Carrier Dome, but we also have, I'm sure you're aware, like my other girlfriend, like we have a cabin, Nithka, which is where Carl Sagan like taught it. like It's a Cornell, like it's an exceedingly brilliant town. Uh, so there happens to be a lot of like festivals and gatherings where they bring the mother and these Peruvian. The one I went to was three generations of Peruvian women
0: that did it. And so you were in some good hands. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was
1: on a very good friend of mine's property. She's got a a hemp farm she's had in New York for like over a decade Um, you not everyone has this experience but there's a lot of purging that happens
0: I've heard that you shit everywhere all of the ways so
1: short of that is like of, like, just uh, if you ever go to therapy, you just talk to somebody about something, or you like write a poem about how you're feeling. Like, I'm, I'm a musician, so I like, I like to write songs like dark. and just let that out, and now it's not yours anymore to deal with. That's how I view it the purging part. Mm. So Right there, that's full of poems and songs I wrote. And now that I don't, if I have a bad feeling, I'll go write it down. I'll share it. It's not mine anymore. It's one of the
0: ways I deal with my bullshit. Yeah, no, I I completely agree with that. Because for me, I, I do psychedelics and I try to look at all my problems as someone else's problems and advise how I would help them deal with them and take that and use that knowledge to get past what I'm feeling. Uh,
1: They say uh, the advice to give is what you would tell your younger self. I think that makes complete sense because you'll see somebody and be like, bro, don't make this mistake because I did
0: (laughs) Oh, I do that all the time.
1: I'm also the dude that's like but I'll do
0: it better. <laughs> I, I learned the hard part. So you know. Yeah, no, so um, what's your experiences with DMT? Because for me, I just put it on a bowl or had a cart one time that I decided to kill all in one night, and that was an adventure. Oh, you killed a whole cart? Yeah, it was not a very good experience because it tasted like a horse's asshole.
1: Tastes like if you lit a peep on fire in the microwave.
0: <laughs> For those that listening, it is just an extremely uncomfortable flavor on your palate. And
1: it's weird. yeah.
0: It's not normal. Oh, most definitely not. And then you start hearing the whoa, 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 whoa like i would assume you have
1: have you ever like like smoked any type of opiate and like that first time you exhale it's like Whoa. you know what i'm
0: talking about oh god those like that takes me back to when i i had one experience with meth and that's exactly how it felt it felt like i was blowing out just i don't i don't even remember like i don't want to think about it too much it's like oh but it was but you understand, like that first exhale, you'll never get a better one. No, never. Especially yeah, even like with weed.
1: Yeah,
0: no, it's magical. Uh,
2: right. <laughs> <laughs> That's how you can't fucking
0: even describe it. I can't. Because uh, so honestly, you know, with DMT, I feel like I'm blowing out. Computer coding.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> your not might have told your computer.
0: <laughs> oh fuck! Yeah, no. So, tell us a little bit more about Womb Raider. Now that we talked about psychedelics, I want, I want to know about the man, the myth, the legend. Talked about the preacher's daughter and the other one. I, I forget her oh, no,
1: nickname. So so me and my main girl live an hour and a half apart. We spend at least three days a week together. We have six kids together she's forty three My favorite stepdaughter of hers recently on the islandech she has set of twins too, so I'm a step granddad uh, We have seven year old twins I have a twelve year old boy and she had three daughters set up. Raised since they were 12, 13, 14. And then we decided where I live and where I work. move kids down there because COVID because the cities would have these crazy restrictions, but down towards Ithaca, they're very hippie and very left wing and also very libertarian.
2: So mm. they,
1: they'll do what they want to do, but like they're not going to fuck you about whatever you're doing. So you see rednecks and Lyft, it's, I would imagine, like Austin, hippies and Rednecks and lifted trucks and guns and weed uh, hippies. hippies and rednecks have so much more in common. Than
0: yeah, no, I I was joking this weekend that I'm, like I'm like a on the border between hippie and redneck, like, and redneck, like right dead center, just like my political, views.
2: political views. Right,
0: like
2: right.
0: I probably
1: look like a redneck, but I, I, don't, I don't know if you've
0: seen me. No, you don't have any video. <laughs> oh shit there he is womb raider everyone i have fucking long hair bro oh i got a man bun i got
2: a man oh no, me
1: too so oh i sent you a video of the preacher starter.
0: Yeah. yeah <laughs> oh yeah dude i still hear that nasty oh, echo too
1: so anyway she's been depressed off Rise. last weekend uh, she didn't have her kids and I didn't have my kids up here um, that particular day I worked in the morning so I was like bring them up Sunday morning and then I'm, we'll all go back out Uh, but uh, preacher's daughter was all stressed and been having a hard time coming on. Kind of flat. She never came. I'm working tomorrow and I worked on Monday. I was like, "Come on!"
0: Like, I'm hey man, I can't hear you. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. So she wasn't busy, and I was like, "We're gonna go adventure." And this is how I like to take people who are having a hard time and like just get them completely out of their environment. She lives in the ghetto. Believe it or not. Took her to this country Greasy Spoon Diner. We had brunch. We went up to uh, this place called Velasco. It's like world-class salmon fishing. We went to this place called river Falls, like a hundred foot waterfall. Sat there, smoked a couple bowls, had a beer, like hung out. Went and took her further up the river. Hung out, had a beer at a bar. Took her to where I used to live in Sackett's Harbor long place. Um, Creek
2: where
1: I saw War 1812 Battlefield like the Old Madison Barracks like places she had never been called a buddy of mine Sheffy who I had served with overseas and I was like I knew he was still a bartender up there and I haven't seen him in like three years. But one of my best friends was like, Hey, what are you doing? He's like, I'm drinking at Willie's I'm like, Where's Willie? Dexter. I said, Well, I'm in Sackets. That's ten minutes like, away. Fucking come over. So we went and met him. freaked her off. I told her we were deployed together and we were really good friends. And uh we're hanging out and I neglected to tell her that he grew up in London. <laughs> so she
2: thought it was like in an accent. God damn it.
1: London. He's British as shit. He's a limey old fuck, right? <laughs> but we served together in the U.S. Army, both in the 10th Mountain Division. And we've been fucking best friends ever since. We went out and we played fucking darts. We went bowling. We went to his house, played fucking Yahtzee, Like, Shephy's a straight gambler. Like, and I, I used, to, we used to play holding together in States. Oh my god, we used to this is gonna sound really racist. 'Cause it kinda is. But it's not. It's just the truth. Me and Sheppy would play spades against all the black guys and we couldn't we were so good and all our black friends crowded prided themselves on
2: beating white people at (laughs) states. Yeah.
1: And then we uh I ended up driving. It takes about an hour and twenty minutes to get to my house before Fort Drum and drove back home and <clears throat> before she left the next afternoon she's like just you getting me out and about has done so much for me just to not be depressed. Like and if you don't have someone to do that you still need to get up and get the fuck outside. Like, oh, do something. Like, and I've been alone a lot, like, I haven't really lived alone since I was ever. I'm 34, and I feel so fucking free being alone, being like, she wanted to come over tonight, but like, no, I'm, <clears throat> I'm going to do a podcast. Tonight. <laughs> and it was really nice to be able to do that.
0: Oh yeah, I bet. Like right now, I'm single, but I'm talking, I'm just talking. So hopefully, this can go somewhere. But um, <laughs> who knows with me though? God, they listen to the podcast once and they're like, "Fuck this guy! What is his problem?" <laughs> I'm on the other end of it,
1: and it's exhausting. It's worth it.
2: I got all the love to give.
0: You got yourself you. yeah no i like to go for drives and fucking just go out and smoke weed next to the river and take pictures of fucking birds and shit the river sky that's one thing i love about mushrooms like have you ever looked at the sky on mushrooms and thought about how big it is Oh, I think about that shit constantly. <laughs> Especially when I went, like, when I was going to Austin, I was like, this, this shouldn't be possible, but it is. And you watch the wings? It's like, like whoop, 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 whoop. How do I get away with this? <laughs> <laughs> this is a death trap. Yeah.
1: But a genius one, it works great.
0: Yeah, no, everyone loves it. Everyone fucking... <laughs> I used to work at an airport and, like, I used to love to just go in in the morning and, like, because I used to have to start at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. I just watch all the fucking people just get on their planes like little ants all day people watching the best and dude it's crazy because working at the airport you don't realize they exist but there's people that fly to and from home every single fucking day
1: I guess. You could.
0: like i met people that were like that they worked in another state I don't fucking know. Uh it's, it's not that bad for jobs, but it's normally like lawyers and shit and like politicians like my uncle who he RAP to him, he was a fucking politician, that was always flying back and forth.
1: That would make sense. I'm not flying back and forth to do what I do. Fuck that. <laughs> I work they send us to training like a couple times a year for a week at a whack And but there's always shitty places like Troy, Illinois which is across the river from St. Louis in Illinois it's like
0: nothing there and they give us a per diem mm. yeah No. usually it's like construction workers and shit you'll see
1: yeah I'm a I, I work at a uh, truck dealership like track trailers.
0: Oh, fuck yeah.
1: For training and stuff. But it's just stupid where they send you, like, bro, there's nothing here. And then they got mad at us because we took the black credit card.
2: Oh, who? Black credit card. And there'd be like
1: five or six of us that would go, and we'd just all get ourselves a hotel room and we'd get dinner and then, you know, like, whatever that like, we eat. A lot of places where we're training, they feed you anyway, like breakfast and lunch. Uh, Until they got a $2,800 bill from a strip
0: club. (laughs) (laughs) And that the Raider of Wombs was probably a part of, I'm assuming. Uh, There was a, yeah. Allegedly.
1: I may have been there. It might have been in New Jersey.
0: (laughs) Allegedly, right?
1: Also like a hundred miles from where we were supposed to be at training.
0: <laughs> so that might tell you a lot. That sounds like a great night. <laughs> it, was a,
1: it was a terrible
2: morning.
0: <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah, man. Well, if you're about ready to hop off, we've been going for about an hour. Yeah, man. Hell yeah, we have a good night, man. It was awesome to have you on. Um, stay lit, guys. Love you.